heroes. It's been a, a good series so far, and I believe today is going to be a blessing to many of us. In this, we've been looking at the fact that changed people change worlds, and we've seen that Jesus is the ultimate hero. In fact, I do not know who did this, but whenever I got to the office on Tuesday, somebody had put a little gift bag on my uh, door handle, and so I had to get it off to get into my office, and so I I, I went into the gift bag later on that day, and in it was a t-shirt. And it's all the superheroes, and in the middle is Jesus right here. And it says right there, and that's, he, Jesus is talking, he says, and that's how I saved the world. <laughs> right there. So I thought it was an appropriate t-shirt and I could wear it and it's a cold day so I have a jacket and so it all worked out. <laughs> Jesus is the ultimate superhero so whoever did that, thank you very much. I don't know that I ever have worn this t-shirt until this very moment. I'm going to leave it like that so Jesus can see y'all. <laughs> So we learned that Jesus is the ultimate superhero. And last week we learned that your difference makes the difference. In fact, uh, in fact, your difference is making the difference. Here at McCord Road, we have been growing and developing as a church to the point that last week, uh, the, yeah, in the, the last week we had 903 people in service. <laughs> Praise God. And so we are launching a fourth service on August the 28th, October the 28th. I've been making a lot of different months up just randomly. I'm acting like it's saying that it's, I'm checking on your ability to remember, but it's really my lack of ability to remember. I know when it's going to happen and I'll show up properly then. But the, uh, so October the 28th, we'll be launching a fourth service. Our service times will be eight o'clock. 9.15, 10.45, and 12.15. See, I remember that. The, uh, and I'm excited about it. Why am I excited about it? Because Jesus is making a difference. And McCord Road Christian Church is making a difference. And as long as God is trusting us with his greatest, greatest possession, that's his children, we're going to do everything we can to make room at the table. Amen? Praise God. But today we're going to talk about the conflict that we're in. Every hero faces a villain. In that villain, there's people fight, fighting villains all over the place right now. Some of them are, are villains of cancer and, and, and other types of illnesses. In fact, I just was excited about the fact that our, our life group knit together just recently celebrated the fact that they delivered 2, 000, over 2,000 caps and lap blankets, knit caps and lap blankets to people who are fighting cancer and trying to overcome these things and are fighting this villain. And, and our, 
our life group has knit that many to, to deliver them so that people can have warm heads and warm laps and showing more than anything that we care about people dealing with the issues of life. Can we say praise God for that? People fight villains every day. Today we're talking about that, that being a hero, it means that we, we deal with conflict. And not everybody likes to deal with conflict. In fact, let's look at the scripture. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 10, and if you're a note taker, there's opportunities to take notes in your bulletin and, uh, or your service guide. And in fact, there are, more, there are more scriptures today than I normally use because I want to show you these villains that we're talking about in scripture. And then number two, there are more lines on your paper than we normally have. And because I want to give you the opportunity to write these things down, I'm going to try to go as slow as possible and still keep you, get you out of here by like 2 p.m. It's going to be great, okay? So uh, I don't leave till 2, so, you know, you're welcome to hang with us. So <clears throat> here we go. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 12, uh, he says, A final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. The big idea this morning is this, you have a villain to fight. He says we do not fight against flesh and blood, but we are fighting against something. We are fighting against something. Paul says be strong in the power of his might. There's an opportunity to accept weakness in life. There's an opportunity to accept the idea that there's nothing you can do about the situation that you're in. When the villain comes against you, it's, there's an opportunity to, to back away and say, well, I, I, guess there's, I guess I'm just going to have to deal with it however I have to deal with it, just kind of maybe give up even. But Paul says, don't give up, put on the armor. Put on the thing that God has given you to protect you as you're in this battle, as you're in this war. The fact is, the kingdom needs you. The church needs you. Your family needs you. Even you need you to fight. Not to give up, not to walk away, but to fight. To say that there's something inside, there's something worth fighting for. There's, there's something worth giving, uh, sacrificing for. There, there's, there's something worth fighting for, and, and, and I am willing to fight, the world needs you to fight. And I have three thoughts for us today. And thought number one is this, you must understand the war. If you're going to fight, you have to understand the war. Paul write, wrote, uh, we don't fight against flesh and blood. Now you might be thinking, you don't know my family. No matter how crazy your family may be, you're not fighting against flesh and blood. No matter how horrible your, your, your boss may be, you're, you're, you're not fighting against flesh and blood. No matter how, how wild the situation may get in the world around you, you're not fighting against flesh and blood. 
But the tendency of humanity is, is to focus on those things we understand. It, it's why whenever I'm dealing with the big things of life that I don't quite get, I can, I can have patience. But when I get home, I can have patience at the office, but when I get home, I don't have as much patience as I did. When I'm at the office and something's driving me crazy, which that never happens in my personal world, ever. So, but if it were, my office is here, you get it. Okay, so, if it were to happen, then when I'm dealing with the stuff that I can't quite control and don't quite understand at all, when I get home, the patience that I had at the office seems to go away. I think it's because we focus on the things that we do understand. I understand the dynamics of my house. I understand that I'm the king. (laughs) Every time my queen says I can be. I understand the dynamics of my home. I understand how that works. I understand the influence that I have in my home and so therefore it allows it it causes me to put more focus on those things whereas I may let go of some of this and say I can't control it all and I've just got to wait and I've just got to have patience and it's all got to just work out however it works out on this side I'm I'm saying no it's going to be my way and if this is how it's going to be and this is what I'm going to do and and I don't have the same patience on this side Paul's helping us to identify the villain in our life. They're not natural, they're spiritual. And these things are those which we don't understand as well. We understand flesh and blood far better in our minds than we understand principalities and powers in high places. We we understand what we can see far better than we can understand those things that are un seen the issue is this fighting the wrong enemy never results in victory if you're fighting flesh and blood but the villain is principalities and powers then you're never going to win the war you will always be defeated It's the same, it would be just like if two boxers were in the ring and the referee's there and one boxer, for whatever reason, keeps trying to fight with the ref instead of fighting his opponent. Eventually, he's going to be beaten and he'll never even know why. He's just fighting the wrong battle. He's fighting the wrong enemy. And and if you and I try to focus all of our attention on the flesh and blood around us, then we'll get stuff done. We'll stir stuff up. Things will change. But we're still not going to win the war that we're truly fighting within us. We'll we'll think we're doing everything to arrive at this place of peace. but, But turmoil will still be the reality of our life. We're over here fighting like crazy and we think that we're going to end up getting ahead in this area. But the reality is we keep falling behind, further and further behind. We're, we're, we're fighting hard, we're sweating, we're, we're working, we're striving, but we're still not winning. Some have fought for years and are still losing. My encouragement to us this morning is we need to focus the fight in our lives. 
fighting a spiritual enemy with natural warfare cannot win the battle. It can't win the battle. But if you understand the war you're in, then victory is possible. And that leads us to thought number two. And thought number two is you, you fight three villains. Three. And you're thinking, no, actually, I fight 10 million villains. I, 10 millions at least. That's, and no, there's, there's three. There's three. And there's three lines there for, for, for that. And if you, if you need more time to, to write things down, some folks have said recently to us that they need more time to write things down. So I need to, either need to leave less blanks or make it uh, more available, and we'll, we'll try to work on both. But we fight three villains. The first villain there, number one, is Satan. Satan. And that includes all the demonic forces that Satan is involved with. Now, in this passage of Scripture in Ephesians, many scholars believe that Paul is giving kind of an organizational breakdown of demonic forces. And, and he may be. But what he is clearly saying is that we fight a spiritual battle and a spiritual enemy, not a physical one, not a human one. So Satan, Satan was created as an angel. And he rose up against God thinking that he would overthrow God and he would sit in the throne of God, but he lost the battle. In his process, he convinced one-third of the angels to, to try to rebel with him. And so those angels were also cast out of heaven. And as they were cast out of heaven, they became what we now know as demons or the demonic world. They are angels that rebelled against God. Demons are not your mother-in-law. They are angels that rebelled against God. So Jesus is there with his disciples and he sent out his disciples two by two and he says, hey, I want you to go out there and, 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 you know, try some of this stuff I've been teaching you. And the disciples came back to Jesus and they were like, you are not going to believe this, Jesus. When we used your name, the demons that were afflicting people and so on, they listened to us. They obeyed us whenever we used your name. Aren't you shocked, Jesus? And Jesus is saying, no, I'm not shocked. In fact, he said in Luke 10, 18, he said, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Jesus said, I, I'm not shocked that they obey you because I was there when Satan rebelled and I was there when he was kicked out of heaven. And I saw him fall from heaven like lightning. And here's the reality. Satan himself hates anything to do with God because God defeated him. He thought he could become God, and God said no, because as a created being, Satan cannot overthrow the creator. And so Satan said, I thought I, thought I could do that, and I can't, so, so he threw me out of heaven, and now I hate him with everything that I have. In fact, I would tell you today, Satan doesn't care about you at all. The only reason Satan cares about you is because God loves you. Satan cannot defeat God, but Satan can mess with you. And when Satan is hurting the thing that God loves, it hurts God. It's the only way that Satan can get to God. 
The beautiful thing is God's already gotten to Satan because the Bible tells me that he is a defeated foe. Praise God. So if he hates everything that has anything to do with God, 1 Corinthians 12, 27 says that this, all of you together are Christ's body and each of you is part of it. So Satan hates everything to do with God and you are part of his, God's body. So Satan hates you. This is the, this is the, 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 uh, the reason why he's the villain in your world. This is the reason why he messes with you. This is the reason why he puts things in your path. And sometimes people say, well, I don't know. How do I know if Satan's trying to mess with me right now? Uh, some things are just life and some things are spiritual attacks. How do you recognize a spiritual attack? I will tell you that in my own world, I, can, I know when I'm under a spiritual attack whenever my responses to things are unreasonable. A spiritual attack is often masked by natural things. It's when you're mad because mad makes sense. It's when you're angry, but angry makes sense. There's something natural there for you to be angry or mad about. In my world, uh, disproportionate responses can indicate a spiritual attack. When somebody says, I don't like your shoes and I want to fall crawl up into a little ball and, and, and hide my head. I'm not typically a fearful or self-conscious person, but whenever I start feeling that way, if somebody says something about me, or maybe a small thing happens in life. Um, the other day I got in my truck and I didn't see that Talon had parked his, uh, the Honda Civic behind my truck. It was early in the morning. And I jumped out of the house to take Terry to school. We jumped into the truck and I threw the truck in reverse and I hit the gas. And two seconds later, I heard crunch as I ran my own truck into my own car in my own driveway. <laughs> the Lord is good. <laughs> Thank you. And I, 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 and I looked in my rearview mirror, but the driveway's on a slant, and my truck is a little bit high, and that Civic is really low, and you can't see it in the rearview mirror. It's hidden by the tailgate of the truck. And, and so I jumped out, and I wanted... <laughs> in my flesh, there was a particular response that I was wanting to have. But instead... I went, hmm. <laughs> Tyrion, go get the keys. Let's move the Honda. I did pop the hood to see if anything was broken. It wasn't too bad, so it's not too, too messed up. So go move it, and then, and then I'll... Now, that was a pretty big deal. A couple of days later, something very tiny happened. And I felt myself getting angry. And I thought, I'm not, I'm not angry with this. There's a spiritual attack going on in my life right now. And if I try to, if I, if I handle this physical thing in the way I want to, I'm going to cause more harm than good. But if I handle this spiritual attack, this other stuff will work itself out. 
And so instead of getting angry in that moment, I went to the Lord in prayer and I began to pray about the situation. And I found my frustration going down quickly. And ultimately, everything did work out just the way it needed to. If you find yourself having disproportionate responses to a situation, you may be in a place of spiritual attack. Satan is your number one villain. The second is the world. The world, that includes the natural systems of the carnal world. Now here's a, a couple of scriptures for you. First John chapter 2, verse number 15 says, Do not love this world nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. Now this word here for world is the, word, word, the Greek word cosmos, and it means the sum total of creation and specifically the world in which we live. It's the, the world in which humanity is the center of it. It's the customs, it's the values, it's the habits of a carnal or a natural or a sinful society. This is an enemy of our soul because it pulls at us. We want to fit into the world in which we live, but yet to fit into that world means to do things that God doesn't like. And he says if we fall in love with this, this world, then the love of God cannot be in us. So he's telling us straight up, that is a villain in your life. You have to be careful about, with it. You have, to, you have to watch for it. The world, the natural systems, the carnal world. In fact, 1 John 2.16 says, For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure. And that, physical, that desire for physical ple- pleasure, while it was put into us by God, our whole point isn't to just strive for carnal or natural or physical pleasure. And the search for that entirely It leaves us empty over and over and over again. A craving for everything that we see and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from the world. If you might recognize this as it's said in another part of Scripture, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. If these things begin to drive our actions and decisions, if we are not careful and intentional, we'll allow the desire for pleasure in life to become the sole focus of life. And suddenly it's the the search for wealth and fame. It's the search for fortune. It's the search for uh, carnal pleasure. It's the search for uh, illicit connection. It's It's the search for whatever I need to do to make myself feel good right now, whether that be drugs or alcohol or, or, or relationships that are ungodly, whatever it may be. And that can go all the way into gaming till two o'clock in the morning. It's the world. There's a false god of the world which is the enemy of the true God. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 says, so if, so if indeed our good news is veiled, it is veiled only to those in the process of being lost. Now this is the CJB. CJB up there. You may not be familiar with this, this, uh, this Bible version. That is the complete Jewish Bible. That's, that's what this is right here. And it's a translation from the Greek by uh, Jewish scholars 
um, who have become Christians. So Messianic Jewish scholars, and that, that's this version right here. And, and what, I, what I like about this version is, is how it, it does throw in some Hebrew, line, uh, Hebrew words here, but I, I like to say that it says that are in the process of being lost. It's veiled to those in the process of being lost. So people who are in the process of walking away from God have a veil through which they cannot see. It says they do not come to trust because of the God of the Olam Haza has blinded their minds. That word, the word Olam Haza there, it, it's, the, it's the word for God of this world. This world, this present world. Or in the Greek, it would be Aeon. In the order to prevent them from seeing the light shining from the good news about the glory of the Messiah who is the image of God. This is talking about the age or the time in which we live. How many would recognize that the age or the time in which we live is consistently moving further and further away from God? To where uh, Rolling Stone magazine recently released an article that said uh, it had a list of all the books in the world that you do not need to read. It had things like A Tale of Two Cities, but number one, I think, or up in the top few was the Bible. Those, that's a list of books that you no longer need to be, read to be relevant to society in our world by Rolling Stone magazine. Aeon, it's a space of time. So the false god of this world, it's saying, has blinded people from being able to see the good news. That's a villain that we fight. The third villain is the carnal nature. And that's our natural way of thinking. Romans 8, chapter seven, uh, chapter 8, verse 7, rather, says, For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws, and it never will. That word natural man, it, it's the, the Greek word sarks, and it's where we ultimately get the word sarcastic. It's the, it's the uh, it, you can go to the etymology of the word and see where it, how it all developed, but ultimately it's, where we, it's the root of where we got the word sarcastic, and it, it means the natural man. When we say something sarcastic, it's our base nature cutting something else in order to get a laugh or in order to build ourselves up or in, or, or in order to literally cut them down. It's a natural or carnal man. And there's a war within you and within me that just hate, it, it, part of us just hates God. So ultimately it becomes very natural for us to find things that are anti-God. It's why it's so easy for the world to move away from God. And that's why it calls us to be disciples of Christ or people who are disciplined in the ways of Christ because discipline is never easy. Discipline has difficulty. It's easier not to be disciplined. Sarcasm is where our mouth just starts flying away. Act like you don't know what I'm talking about. What? <laughs> but it's easy for us to find fault with things. Uh, we find fault with the church. Look around you. You'll find a problem. I promise. We look around and see failures of Christians. There may be a thousand things right, but we'll find the thing that's wrong. 
It's natural to find the problem. Galatians 6.1 says, Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly. Natural thinking can't help in this moment. You who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path and be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. I want you to notice that it separates brothers and sisters and you who are godly with the phrase believer who is overcome by some sin. That's interesting to me because it says that believers can sin and it's possible for us to fall into the temptations that we are ourselves trying to save others from. I've seen people that God has delivered from alcoholism work to help set other people free. And so they go into a place where someone is drinking and find themselves four hours later completely drunk themselves. My statement isn't against drinking. My statement is against somebody who is is dealing with alcoholism, putting themselves in the place where they fall, not because they meant to go in there to drink, but because they meant to go in there to help somebody else come out. You know, sometimes it's right to just walk away. Joseph fled temptation. And Joseph didn't run away because he was scared of Potiphar's wife. Joseph ran away because he didn't, this is my personal thought, he was running away from the own, his own lust of the flesh. Saying, if I don't get myself out of here, I'm going to fall to this. So I gots to go. That's what we'd say in Louisiana. I just got to get out of here. Sometimes the right thing to do is run away. You could be fighting at your best when you're running your fastest from sin. Well, no, I got to stand up and be a man and take this on. Get out of there and live to fight another day. Somebody needs to say amen right there. Thought number three you can defeat the villain. You can defeat the villain. God did not create you to fail, but he has given you all you need to succeed. In his love, he provided salvation. And the Holy Spirit empowers the children of God. And in Romans, Paul is outlining the fight against the enemy and he's encouraging believers. And he says this, Romans 8, chapter uh, chapter 8, verse 37, he says, despite all these things, all this, this fighting that we're doing, Despite all of that, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced, he said, that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither can death nor life. Now, now listen, death and life, these are the greatest weapons of, our natural, of the natural world. Death and life. Not the, the, the carnal world, the, the cosmos, that is our, that is our uh, a villain in our life. And, and he's saying here that, that death and life, th- those are their, its greatest weapons. It, it can take you out and it brought you in. Uh, and so he, he's, he's saying, no, even that can't separate you from the love of God. Neither angels nor demons. Well, then that takes out the issue of Satan as our villain being able to take us out. And all the demonic forces cannot take us out 
of the love of God because he says right here, angels or demons, all in the spiritual world. Then he says, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Whoa, that's our carnal nature right there. Fears for today or worries for tomorrow. That's our carnal nature exerting its pressure on us. It's why we do the things that we do. It's why we do the wrong things even that we do. Nor even the powers of hell, that's every demonic force that's ever existed, can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above, that's principalities and powers in high places, or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation, nothing in all creation, and there's nothing that hasn't been created by God, will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus Our Lord. So he's telling us very clearly the only way to lose is to stop fighting. The only way to lose is to stop fighting. Praise God. You need to recognize who lives within your physical exterior. You are not a physical body having a spiritual experience, but you are a spiritual being having a physical experience. If our band would come. You're not primarily what you see on the outside. You are primarily what lives on the inside. And if you get the two confused, you'll fight to your death on the outside and lose the war on the inside. But God said, I've given you everything you need for life and godliness. And there's not a villain in this world that you cannot defeat if you just don't stop fighting. Because Christ is in you. What's beneath the mask of this flesh is more powerful than this flesh itself. In your life today, it might, it might look bad. Maybe the doctor's report, it, it was negative again. It didn't, it didn't look good. Maybe you've been rejected again in your life. Maybe the money is short again. Maybe the day on the job was rough again. Can I tell you, don't stop fighting. Don't stop fighting. Taking the hits and still moving forward is what the hero does. God has called you and created you to be a hero this morning. Fight the right battle. Would you bow your heads with me right now and just ask the question, Holy Spirit, what are you trying to say to me in this service? What are you trying to say to me in this sermon? Can you identify the villain that you're fighting? Can you identify the the situation that you're you're dealing with and, and recognize that it's not flesh and blood, but there's a spiritual component there? Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray 
I pray that the, the blinders would come off of us in the spirit right now. That we would recognize the villain for who it is and what it is. It's not our family that we're fighting. It's not our company that we're fighting. It's not, it's not even finances that we're fighting. There's a war, there's an enemy, there's a villain that we're fighting. And, and, and it's, it's, it's one of these things that you've defined for us. But then you said we have victory over each and every one of them. No, we can't make decisions for other people. But we can fight ourselves. So I'm praying today that you would give someone the courage to stand up. To recognize the villain for who it is and, and to stand up against it as you've given them the power and authority. I pray that somebody would start fighting the right war today. I pray that you'd give somebody the courage to stop blaming the wrong things and start fighting the right. I thank you for the Holy Spirit that I feel in this house right now. I'm asking you, Savior, to do the work that only you can do. I bind every negative thought and every negative spirit that would try to attach itself to the child of God right now. And I loose the Holy Spirit in this house. In a profound and powerful way. Defeat the enemies. Let the villains be broken before you, mighty God. And let us rise up in your authority, in your power, and ultimately in your victory. In the name of Jesus, I pray. And let everybody say amen.